Curtain going up. Curtain going up. Places, please. Officer, stand by. Ladies and gentlemen, she comes to you from the cornfields of Indiana. She loves the Constitution more than she likes most people. Allow me to introduce Shouse in the House. Welcome back, friends. Uh, this episode is one that I was really excited about. I think it brings a lot of information that people don't know and highlights one of the biggest issues coming in the Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Barack Obama administration. I was graced with the presence of Justin Nazaroff, who is the owner of Phoenix Ammunition up in Michigan. And we discussed all things Second Amendment. Uh, we discussed some of the restrictions that are coming down the pike as far as the H.R. 127. We discussed mask mandates. We discussed Kyle Rittenhouse. We went through a lot of different things. So I think it's an episode that anybody who cares about the Second Amendment will appreciate and enjoy. And I look forward to hearing your guys' feedback. Without further ado. Let's start from the beginning. First of all, I want to tell my audience, this is Justin Nazaroff. He is with Phoenix Ammunition, which is the all-time greatest ammunition manufacturer in the United States of America. And I love you guys. I love everything about you, what you are as a company, who you are as an owner, what you stand for. It makes me so proud to be able to do business with you. So I want to let my audience know that first and foremost because I'm completely biased with absolutely everything that I say about you guys. With that being said, I want to talk a little bit. You're probably one of the strongest Second Amendment supporters that I have ever met, and besides myself, of course. But <laughs> but I want to talk about. Let's start with how you started and got involved. You're fairly young still, and I read somewhere your parents didn't have guns when you were growing up. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, okay. In fact, we were we were not even allowed to play with uh, toy guns as kids. <laughs> okay. So do they have a problem with? How strong you are with your support of the Second Amendment? Do they have a problem with you going into the ammunition manufacturing? Like, how did that work? Sure. Uh, no, they don't. And it are, in fact, my father, Norm, is a, a passive owner in the company, uh, a small percentage. So, and pr- prior, uh, well, I, at the same time as I was starting the company, he actually was a, a software engineer at Trigicon for about four to five years. So he's not opposed to it. It's just a matter of how we were raised. Uh, my parents were fairly traditional in the sense that we uh, we really weren't allowed to watch uh, violent movies or play really violent video games, of course. I just sure. went over to my neighbor's house and played them there, so they did their <laughs> best. But uh, as kids do, we, you know, we work around, and we, were, we really weren't allowed to have uh, toy guns but again, same thing, went over to my friend's house and, and played with them. But later on, you know, they sort of loosened up. As we got older, uh, I, I begged until I got enough money to buy myself my first paintball gun. I think I was uh, 13, 14 or so and uh, played with that stuff for a while. And we shot guns growing up through Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts. It was just a matter of, I, I think my parents, I think their parents uh, didn't really have firearms in the house and and being that they weren't uh, hunters or sportsmen, it just wasn't a thing, uh, right. if you can think of it that way. So it, it's evolved over time. But, no, they, they don't have a problem with, with my stance at all. I think they support me 100%. Maybe maybe not quite to the extreme that, that I go, but <laughs> I think they support 
I think they support me and I think that they trust that I have a, a logical explanation for just about everything that I support in, in the Second Amendment world. So I, I think they're they're happy with my stance. Well, I think that's what I really love about you is anytime you engage, you're, number one, you're uh, usually not combative. At, at least you certainly don't initiate it. You try very hard to educate in any conversation that I've ever seen you have. And for me, that's that's incredibly important because there are so many people especially people who are writing the legislation that have no clue what they're talking about. And so it's, I think it's vital that people like you exist out there, that you continue to have these conversations with people. Um, I got into a fight with my mom this weekend because my stance is so controversial. I think <laughs> anyone who is a citizen of this country, whether you've committed a crime, whether I, I don't care. You deserve the right to protect yourself. It's written in our Constitution. And I I am a firm believer that every single person has that right. If you've served your time and you're out, that means that you've, you've done your time. You still deserve to defend yourself moving forward. I have a very different stance than many people in that respect. And my mother and I were, I was telling her that I was going to have you on. And she's like, don't talk about how you think criminals should have guns. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll tell you that. And uh, sorry, sorry. No, mom, go ahead. But, uh, I, I agree with that 100%. Um, this notion that a reformed criminal who is safe enough to be let out of prison should not be able to defend themselves. I just can't really understand that logic and and i'll even go a step further i would argue that uh an illegal an illegal immigrant to this country if they were to defend themselves with a firearm uh, i think they should be deported because they would be in violation of the, the country's immigration law but i don't i would not i would not support a charge uh for them for the fire to be charged with using a firearm to defend themselves because that's entirely separate from um, the, the immigration status, right? I mean, if, if that happens and, and they have to be deported because they, they came here illegally, that's fine. But, um, you know, and the logic that I always use when I get into an argument with somebody who disagrees with that opinion, so you might try this with your mother, I would say, so if I'm a convicted felon, um, first of all, if I'm, if I'm still dangerous, I should be in prison. Right. Uh, but if I've been let, if I've been let out of prison, and I'm now uh, working a, a job, I'm raising a family, but I've got this felony conviction, and somebody breaks into my home, and uh, I come downstairs to deal with it, what is the moral or ethical difference whether I come down with a Glock 19 in my hand or if I have to take a knife out of the butcher block in my kitchen and stab this guy to death in my in my kitchen or, uh, you know, grab the grab the, a rolling pin off the counter and, and bludgeon him to death. Like if, if either of those two things happen, am I morally superior? Is there, is there an ethical difference between those things? No. And, and there's one any, that's much faster and much more effective. Correct. Right. So, but basically if, if you think that there is, then what you're saying is my life is not valuable enough that I should be afforded the use of, basic human technology that's been in existence for something like 300 years. And I just can't wrap my brain around anybody thinking that that's the right way to go. 
Right. So, well, then let's touch on this isn't the direction I was going to go. But since we were talking about legality and things like that, let's talk about Kyle Rittenhouse for a minute. Public enemy number one a while back, you know, I think that's died down a lot. And now his civil charges have been dropped against him. What do you see moving forward? Do you think that the um, criminal charges will get dropped? Do you think he'll be acquitted? Uh, I do not think the criminal charges will be dropped because I think that there is an agenda in that uh, prosecutor's office. So I I don't think that they will drop the charges. I think in the end, he'll probably be acquitted of just about everything aside from uh, the transfer of the firearm from from his friend uh, to him. I think there, there could be something sticky there, and I feel like a jury might, not be so inclined to let him off completely scot free. Although I, I think that he that he should be. Um, I think that that's a BS charge. But I, I think this is one of the most important self defense cases that we've seen possibly ever. Uh, certainly in in it's recent memory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about a child, more uh, a child, uh, somebody yeah. under the age of eighteen, who was attacked and defended himself and we could argue about you know do do I think that he should have been in that situation would I would I have wanted my child if I was a parent to uh be out in that kind of a situation no I, I probably wouldn't be because I'd be worried about his safety of course uh, sure. do I think he's an incredibly brave kid yeah I do I think he's also a little bit stupid in that regard uh I I'm not sure that that was the best way for him to be uh, you know, the, the best way to, for him to put himself out there. Um, but again, having said that, really all of that is white noise around the central issue, which is if you are attacked by somebody who is violent and you are surrounded by other people who are violent and encouraging people to attack you, do you have the right to defend yourself? And, and so again, if we take the, if we take the tool out of the picture, it, let's say Kyle Rittenhouse did not have a gun. He had no weapon on him of any kind. And uh, Joseph Rosenbaum, a, a convicted pedophile, uh, corners him against a car and proceeds to start beating him with his fists. And uh, Kyle Rittenhouse summons uh, the strength of God and fights back with his hands. And uh, in, in the course of that, Rosenbaum's head gets bounced off the pavement and he dies of a, of a brain injury. We're not even having this discussion. I mean, that right. is... That is a he wouldn't have even been arrested if that had been on tape. But the problem is firearms are extremely effective at at what they do. So the the altercation lasted just a few seconds. And that's exactly the whole point. Uh, There's absolutely no reason that somebody should have to wait until they're getting beaten to death before they can strike back. Uh, It was obvious what Rosenbaum's intent was. There's no dispute about that. Anybody who thinks that uh, Rittenhouse was there to attack people or that Rittenhouse instigated the incident has not seen all of the footage. They've probably seen the footage that came later uh, after right. he was trying to, uh, you know, find police and resolve the issue and then was attacked a second time and a third time and a fourth time. But if you watch the tape of him in the parking lot, there's absolutely no question that it was justifiable self-defense. And in the state of Wisconsin and, and in other states, uh, I believe this is the case in Wisconsin. I know it's the case in some some other states. Uh, 
even if he was not legally allowed to possess that particular firearm at the time, uh, in many states that that's rendered a moot point. And so right. if, if he was, for example, a convicted felon, somebody prohibited from owning a firearm, uh, the courts will set that aside and say, yes, but this was an extreme circumstance. So we'll see. Uh, I feel that he'll be acquitted of the major charges, murder and such. Uh, they may they may stick him with a, a low level misdemeanor weapons violation of some kind. But I think in the end, he'll he'll be uh, acquitted of all the serious charges. Yeah, I think the precedent that that case is going to set is is monumental for us as a country on a federal level. So I'm, yeah. I'm interested to see how that ends up shaking out. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, if he if he ends up getting convicted of murder, what it what it tells us or what it leaves up in, as a question is, for example, if you are a business owner and you are on your own property or standing out front of your property and there's a mob out front and uh, you know, do you have the right to legally defend yourself? There was another case where yeah, the guy uh, in the bar. Yeah, there was a guy in a bar. There was uh, there was an employee in a in a vape shop. I can't remember where, maybe shop. Minneapolis. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, like a vaping store, and he was there late at night, and somebody came in, and, and he fired and was charged. I don't remember what the outcome of that case was, but you know, we're really starting to get into the the nitty gritty here of you know outside of your home. I, I I think I mean aside from the fringe idiots on the left who think that you shouldn't even have the right to defend yourself in your own home, which is right. you know ludicrous. Um, this is this is the first case, the first major case where we have an issue that happened outside of your own home, where it seems so obvious that he had the right uh, to defend himself. But um, we'll, we'll have to see. Okay, so let's go back. How did you get into ammunition manufacturing? Like, what what's your history? Like, where did you go, and how did you get to where you are right now? <laughs> Sure. So um, I suppose it would all begin with getting into the firearms community as a consumer first. So uh, when I when I turned 22, the one of the first things that I wanted to do was get my concealed pistol license here in Michigan. Um, so so that was kind of where my my journey started. I, I bought my first handgun and uh, got a CPL and uh did what most people do uh kept that thing in my nightstand uh bought a holster drove around with it in the car uh for several years <laughs> probably being more of a societal liability than an asset because uh truth truth be told um you know had i had i been required to act i i'm not sure that i would have been able to you know looking back uh, now that i've got you know, more than 200 hours of firearms training and knowing what I know now, I think I was incredibly stupid and naive to do that. But at the time, I was working for an insurance company that dealt with my manufacturing companies primarily, and I was a, a remote salesperson for the company. So I spent a lot of time driving. My sales territory included the city of Detroit and all the outer lying suburbs. So uh, I spent a lot of time in some of the worst areas of Detroit where the manufacturing companies are, are still there and have, and have stuck it out over the years. Uh, and, you know, things are as you would expect. I saw prostitutes. I saw people, you know, defecating on the sidewalk. I saw people, uh, you know, breaking into cars, uh, rabid dogs, all kinds of things. And I decided that uh, even though the company policy was that I should not carry a firearm or it was a fireable offense, uh, I would rather be alive 
and be fired and have to find a new job than be uh, dead and have my company extolling the virtues of what a great employee I was. So uh, I was, you know, riding dirty, I guess you would say, as as the kids say, uh, for for many years. And uh, so during the course of that job, I I got I I became I, I got a, a, go, a good look at manufacturing. I don't have a manufacturing background. My my background is uh, in finance and uh, sociology, oddly enough. But I got a real appreciation for what they did on a day-to-day level, and, and I thought to myself, someday I want to get into making stuff. I, I don't know what, but that seems a lot more rewarding than selling uh, insurance and managing people's um, risk and 401k plans. Insurance is my day job. That's what I do. Oh, is it? <laughs> Well, um, you know, it was my day job for many years, and and so for, no, you know, I, didn't, I, I didn't. I, I don't didn't take that it personally. A, it's just funny. Yeah, sure. I yeah. I was at a just a real quick story. I was at a networking event one time, and this Mary Kay lady wouldn't leave me alone. And <laughs> you know, like you get in these networking situations, and you're with these people sure. where you can't do anything for me, I can't do anything for you. We really don't need to be having a conversation. And this guy could tell that I was visibly annoyed by this woman. And after she walks away, he nudges me with his elbow and he's like, hey, if you ever want to be left alone at one of these, just tell him you sell insurance. And he had no idea that's what I actually did for a living. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I, I enjoyed what I did because I liked solving problems, but um, there were. There were some issues. I, I didn't like the way the company was managing things. And, and you know, part of the issue was, uh, they had me driving around in Detroit in these horrible areas, and inevitably they would decline to insure a company that was totally insurable simply because the crime rate in the area was too high. And I thought, okay, but you guys sent me here. You know the problems, and these companies haven't haven't had any issues. So, you know, why why is this a problem? Uh, so it just it it was a great job for a while, but it started to run its course, and so. Fast forward to, uh, you know, 2012, we have Obama in office, Sandy Hook. Uh, I was one of those guys buying, you know, $300 lower receivers and, uh, you know, 200 PMAGs, uh, which I still have. So at the time, uh, my my younger brother had gotten into re, into the ammunition reloading industry, working for a small company. And... Um, that company ended up going out of business because the owner passed away and uh, his surviving kids didn't really know what to do with the business. And so uh, that was early 2016. So uh, my brother and my father and I got together and we uh, bought the remaining assets of the company that sat in my garage for a little while until I came up with a business plan and uh, tried to figure out financing and uh, where we would go and all the licensing and then finally, we got up and running in October of 2016, and uh, the rest is kind of history from there. Now that you're in that industry and you've been in there for a while, do you mm-hmm. like what's causing that? Other than I guess demand, <laughs> is there something else that's creating the supply shortages with ammunition? I know, obviously, much of our ammunition production has been moved overseas, from what I understand. Can you talk a little um, bit about why it's so hard to find ammo? Sure. So, um, not I, I would disagree that our ammunition production has been moved mostly overseas. It, it's actually okay. a very protected industry because 
We are governed by a set of laws called ITAR, the International Trafficking in Arms Regulation, which basically says that uh, as a United States company, you cannot sell any sort of defense or military technology to a country unless you are approved by the Department of State. And conversely, you cannot import anything considered a defense article uh, from a country unless they approve. So countries like China, um, obviously anybody that we're at war with, Russia, all of those countries are not countries that we can do business with under ITAR. So um, we do get – there is some ammunition imported, um, like Wolf, Tula, stuff like that. But predominantly, everything is manufactured here in the United States. The, pro- the main problem is the industry is much more consolidated than what people understand. So there are uh, probably hundreds of small ammunition manufacturing companies like us around, around the country. Um, a lot of companies much smaller than us, some our size, uh, a few companies larger than us. And then you have the big guys, Remington, Winchester, Federal, CCI, uh, the, the, the big brand names. right? Yeah, uh, that is true. Uh, they kind of, it's more like an asset bankruptcy, so they just kind of moved some numbers around and boom, you know, here they are up and running again. But they did sell their ammunition manufacturing to Palmetto State Armory, which was kind of an interesting move. So the, the real issue is those four companies, Federal, CCI, Remington, and Winchester, are the only four companies in the U.S. that manufacture primers. So even a company as large as, like, say, Hornaday, does not make their own primers. They procure those from the big four. So at the end of the day, if you can't get primers, you can't make ammunition. So all of the small companies like us, um, unless you're able to buy direct from them, which you have to be buying very large volumes to do that, uh, which was not possible for us up until recently, we have to buy them from um, one of the two major distributors. uh, And, Right now, because demand is so high, those four companies have no incentive to sell primers to us at a wholesale price. They want to be able to keep the primers for themselves, right, so that they can manufacture ammunition and sell it at retail price, and also so that they can sell primers to the retail market at retail price at a huge markup. So we are kind of left begging for the scraps, if you will, and unless you have good connections or you know people who have been in the industry for a while, you have an in somewhere. Everybody's kind of fighting for the same piece of the pie. We've been lucky in that we've had a couple of relationships where we've been able to get primers in cases where other people have not. Um, we are also working to import them from some overseas producers in countries where we're allowed to import them. But those guys are really bogged down. I mean, people don't really understand the size of the of the consumer ammunition market in the United States, CCI alone makes more than a billion primers every month. So you're talking about 12 billion primers a year from one company, and Uh right now it's still not even close to satisfying demand. demand. Obviously, some of that is going to military contracts, foreign military contracts, et cetera, but a huge part of that is is the U.S. retail consumer demand, and there just isn't enough. So uh, we do know there is a company that is building a primer plant. Uh, They have told us that they should be ready to go in April uh, here in the U.S., so that should help alleviate it to a certain degree, but 
The problem is primers are hard to make. Um, you have to be making a lot of them at a time. Uh, it's very automated, uh, very complicated, and it, so it requires a lot of upfront capital, and the payback period on that capital is, is very long-tailed. So, yeah. Well, yeah, it, it's going to take a long time. So pe- it, it's hard to talk an investor into giving you 15 or $20 million, and their payback period, you know, is 6 to 10 years. There's just – there's so many other things that they can invest in right now that would give them a better return on investment in a much shorter period of time. Right. Uh, it's just tough to do. Man, that sucks. Seems like you it guys does. are just in a rock and a hard place when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, we don't really control. Um, so we basically manufacture ammunition out of the component parts. We assemble them. So we don't make anything out of raw material. Um, I think our first step, if we were going to get into making things out of raw material, would be projectiles uh, and then probably brass cases, but primers would be way down the line. And right. so, yeah, we're very beholden to our suppliers, and it's it's we're just we're in a no-win situation. We know people are are frustrated that they can't get things, and they're even more frustrated that they can't get things at an affordable price, but understand that right now we're we are paying something like five to seven times what we normally pay for primers and projectiles are the same way so you know people get really angry about price gouging but that's not really what's going on here are some people price gouging and taking advantage of folks yes they certainly are uh there's you know everybody knows who those people are cheaper than dirt uh uh, etc but we 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 really wish we could be selling things at pre-pandemic. Well, no, and that's what I was hearing. I feel like your your pricing is very reasonable. I mean, uh, from what I've seen, I sure I think that you're probably one of the best priced places that I've looked at as far as ammunition is concerned. Yeah, we we try to be fair. You know, we are mostly doing remanufactured ammo, so we're we're reusing brass, and, and we know that people expect that to be cheaper than factory new. Um, there's really not a ton of reasons why that has to be the case per se, but we, we try to keep things reasonable and we know, you know, the, at the end of the day, our we were doing just fine as a company before this pandemic. So we're not trying to use this as a catapult or a way to um, fix bad finances uh, like some other companies might. We had a great market with competitive shooters and people that do training classes, and, and those people buy in volume, and they shoot in volume. And right. so it's actually very frustrating for us right now because we have very loyal competitive shooters that uh, could only compete in maybe a quarter of the matches last year that they would have liked to compete in because they just couldn't get the ammunition, the ammunition even if yeah. they could get it at any – even if they would have paid any price you asked them because they wanted to enjoy the sport that they love but it just wasn't available. So we're trying to figure out a way to get more ammo into the hands of the people who are our loyal customers, our base, doing the things that we think are are the best ways to support the health of the shooting community. But it is very difficult because the demand is just outrageous. So that brings me to the next segue, which is really perfect. So one thing that you guys have done – I guess you guys got a citation a while back for a mask violation. Is that correct? 
Yes. So we've been fighting and, with Gretchen Whitmer and the mass police <laughs> and uh, just kind of making a stand on that since back at, uh, we start, you know, back September of 2020, I think was when we started getting really loud about it. So, yeah, we had a police officer come in to talk to us about an anonymous complaint that was um, called into the police department. And so while he was there and I was telling him off more or less saying it was ridiculous that he was coming into my business to harass me over an anonymous complaint a customer of ours came in to pick up an order he had placed online so we don't do any counter sales uh, you have right. to order through the website so this individual came in uh he had a mask on i did not i handed him his order i'm standing behind a counter that's about two and a half feet wide so we were never closer than i would say four to five feet Right. And he was in and out of the lobby in less than 15 seconds. And so the officer included in his report uh, the fact that I had serviced a customer in front of him without a mask on. And that is what actually got us the violation. So uh, that was worthy of a $1,000 fine. And theoretically, if I had serviced four or five customers while that officer was in my lobby, we would have been fined $1,000 for each one. So um, we decided at that point in time, we're just done servicing police officers. Uh, I, my my support for them had been waning up until that point. Um, the mask orders were a huge part of that. Uh, talking to Ian Smith over at uh, uh, Attila's Gym in Belmar and watching oh, yeah. what's going on with Max, Max Public House in Long Island. I said, you know what, these guys, uh, I know that theoretically they have uh, – you know, families to feed and, and a job to protect, but they are watching people burn down our cities and doing nothing. Right. And conversely, they are fining business owners at a time when things couldn't be worse for small business owners. And if that if that means that my business goes uh, bankrupt, then that means I lose my livelihood. That means I can't feed my family. And these guys don't seem to give a shit about that. So uh, why why would I support them? Why should I? I have no obligation as a small business owner to do business with somebody who doesn't care about me and, and in fact, um, overtly tries to harm me or does things that causes me harm. So we're done. And, uh, you know, that's Did Michigan kind of State Legislature pass a law that states that you have to serve customers with a mask on in your own in your own company? Uh, so what happened was back in April, uh, Whitmer invoked her power under an emergency management law that basically allowed the governor to declare a state of emergency and then continue to extend the emergency without the approval of the legislature. So once the legislature gave her approval, she didn't have to ask that. They only approved it for 30 days. But after they approved it, she didn't have to ask permission for each renewal. So she just kept renewing it, renewing it, renewing it. So you guys are still under court, lockdown, aren't you? Yes. So so what happened was that was challenged, uh, and it went up to the Michigan Supreme Court, and the Michigan Supreme Court struck that. Not only did they say Whitmer can't do that, but they said this entire law is unconstitutional. So no governor can ever use this law again. This law is, is null and void. So what Whitmer did was she said, okay, well, I'm going to take all of what I'm doing and basically we're going to put it on the Department of Health letterhead. And we found a similar law, uh, Public Act 368, I think, of 1971, that basically gives the exact same powers to the Department of Health. Now, 
I don't understand how a governor who is elected uh, isn't allowed to use those powers, but the health department, which is an unelected bureaucratic uh, shit pile, to put it mildly, is allowed to do the exact same mm-hmm. thing with impunity. The problem is our Supreme Court flipped from 3-2 conservative to 3-2 liberal in the November election. Uh, and so even if that law gets challenged, it's very unlikely that they're going to rule because the first one went right down partisan lines. And it's obvious that the second one will go right down partisan lines. So we're basically fucked. We're basically stuck with it. And so at this point, I mean, is I, there I a possibility believe, that somebody will take it up to the Supreme Court? Like it, at what point? Um, I don't know if it's being challenged or not. Um, there's a, a, an attorney by the name of Catherine Henry who has been really instrumental here in Michigan. She's been taking up all kind of pro bono cases for small businesses, fighting mask violations and um, people who are, are going after the public schools, private schools, et cetera. So I feel like if there's anyone and, – and she wrote a, a very critical brief in the first Supreme Court challenge, which was uh, instrumental in it getting – um, getting struck down. So I, I'd have to reach out and ask her. I haven't spoken to her in some time, but I would think if anyone would be challenging it, it, it would be her. But I mean, more or less at this point, we, we just decided we're, we're just not going to listen. I mean, I, I have, I personally haven't worn a mask since probably June. Um, yeah, I'm not either. not going not to, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to be lying uh, anymore. I'm done. And, yeah, I'm done. And if there's a business who's really going to harass me over it, won't let me check out, then I'll just go somewhere else. I mean, that's, Menards is doing that here, so I don't shop there anymore, and I'm fine with that. Uh, I'm, I'm not losing any sleep over it. I'm sure they aren't either, but uh, it is what it is. So My daughter's a gymnast, so there's pretty strict rules for parents, you know, in the gym and stuff like that. So that's the only place hmm. I'll wear one walking into the building, but when I sit down and I'm not around anybody, I take it off. And that's sure. the only place that I'll wear a mask. I won't wear one in a store. I won't <laughs> I won't wear one anywhere else. And I get chased by the little 18-year-olds that have been hired specifically to chase people down. And I'm like, look, I have asthma. I'm not wearing one. And I yeah. just keep walking, <laughs> which isn't yeah, a lot. I, mean, I, I really do have asthma. but Sure. It's just whatever gets in the way. I mean, I, I teach uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, uh, once a week at a local academy that I've been training at for, for uh, more than 13, 14 years. And, uh, you know, off the record, well, I just suppose we're on the record, so it doesn't matter. I don't really <laughs> care. I'll say it anyway. Uh, we, we don't require masks. We have been wearing masks. Um, a few people have been sick and quarantined themselves. But, I mean, I'm wrestling around with, uh, you know, sweaty people every weekend. Yeah. They're breathing on my face. I'm breathing on their face. And uh, we all seem to be fine, so yep. I, I don't I don't get it. <laughs> it's, it's, so another say? thing about qualifying your clientele at the beginning, as soon as I go to your website, there's a pop up that comes up and says, um, "Did you vote for Joe Biden in the November 2020 election?" Talk to me a little bit about. I know yeah. why, but I want you to explain the thought process behind that. Sure. So. I mean, it's no secret that the Democrat Party wants gun control very badly. Sure, it's no secret that Joe Biden ran uh, with that as an instrumental part of his platform. It was discussed at 
basically every Democratic debate. Um, he said specifically after Beto dropped out of the race that he was going to make Beto his gun czar. So um, if you just go to JoeBiden.com forward slash gun safety, I mean, the plan has been up there for uh, two years now. So anybody yeah. who didn't read it and voted for Biden, uh, I don't know what to tell you. you. You're an idiot. You should have read his platform. So having said that, um, in 2020, we got about 20 million new gun owners as a result of the pandemic and the rioting. Uh, unfortunately, some of those people ended up voting for Joe Biden anyway. And so at some point, I saw a, a gun store in Missouri that was turning away Biden voters. They had a sign on the front door that said, we don't want business from Biden voters. And I thought, well, we don't really do any walk-in business, so why don't I put that on the website? And I, so initially, it was in a different area. There's a, there's a terms of service box you have to check in order to check out uh, on our shopping cart. And I put that up there at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was just a checkbox that said, I, I understand that there's going to be a bit of a lead time on ammunition, so it might be two to three weeks. I understand that this isn't that that's the, the deal. So people would have yeah, to check I remember it, it so that I, I, got my email. I knew that they understood. Right. So then I decided, well, I like to troll people. Um, you know, I've had the Jeffrey Epstein meme on our hacking slips forever. So <laughs> why don't I just put on here, I agree, I did not vote for Joe Biden and see if anybody notices. So it had been up there since the beginning of January, and um, a couple of people commented that it was funny, but really nobody seemed to notice. And so we did a big sale two weeks ago, and a woman called and said, I'm trying to check out on the website, but I have a question. I, I don't understand this box that's asking me if I voted for Joe Biden, and it won't let me go forward if I don't check it. <laughs> and I said, well, what can I help you with? And she said, well, I did vote for Joe Biden, so I don't know what to do. And I said, well, I, you know, to be honest, we, we don't need your money. I appreciate it, but, uh, but we'll have to pass. And she couldn't believe it. And so we, she got kind of mad and said, are, are you kidding me? Are you serious? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm serious. So she hung up and she ended up calling back about half an hour later. And we talked on the phone for almost 45 minutes and I was trying to, to move her in the right direction. It was obvious that she wasn't going to budge uh, as far, you know, she said she owned a gun and um, she actually owned a, a Glock 19 just like I do. And I said, you know, Biden wants to ban 15 round magazines like what you have. What do you think about that? And she said, well, that's not infringing upon my right. You know, I'll, I'll turn those in and I'll just get 10 round what? magazines. But he's not he's not taking my gun away. Then you're not and a I fucking said, gun owner. <laughs> Exactly. Well, that was exactly my point. I, I said, you know, what if he limits it to two rounds? What then? And right. same thing. Well, I can, I still have the gun, so it's not banned yet. And so I said, look, you know, we're not going to get anywhere here. It's obvious you don't get it. And, and that's really what that was the first time where I thought to myself, you know, there are some people who are just never going to get it. So just really want why, the government to do everything. They want them to rule their lives. Right. It seemed like she was more willing to put her safety in the hands of the government than in her own hands. And I just can't I I personally can't understand anybody who comes from that line of logic. And so I said, you know what, this is this is an opportunity for me to maybe educate people a bit better. So that's when I added the gateway page to the website where it asks you if you click no, it, 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 you did not vote for Joe Biden, then it lets you proceed into the site. If you click yes, 
then it redirects you to joebiden.com forward slash gun safety. And, and I, thought, I didn't click yes. I said how. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so, I mean, to be honest, I've probably redirected more people to that page than Biden's own paid advertising has done. But the point wow. is, if you read if you read that platform and you agree with even one single portion of it, what you're telling me is that you you think the government can provide for your personal safety better than you can, or you think that they're more qualified to make decisions about your personal safety than you are, and thus, again, I can't understand that line of logic. I think you are a danger to the gun community. I don't consider you part of the gun community. You're you're certainly a gun owner. I can't take that away from you. I'm not. I mean, personally, I think you should turn your guns, and I think you should you should uh, go with right. solidarity and give them give them to somebody who's going to take care of it of the of the thing better. But I would never force that upon you. You can do whatever you want, but I can also do whatever I want, which is not do business with people who want to. Uh, put me out of business. Joe Biden's gun plan. It's like a slap in your face to say, I think the government should be able to control ammunition and gun sales. And correct. Like, who the fuck wants to do business with somebody that right. says, who, I who, want who the government you, right. to put you out of business? Who, who do you think you are to tell me that I have to accept your money and you are going to vote for the person who wants to literally put me out? I mean, Joe Biden's gun plan includes banning the online sale of ammunition. So, like, there's no, I'm not reading between the lines here. I'm not, I'm not uh, reading the tea leaves. It says it in plain English. There's nobody who can dispute that that's, if he has, if he gets what he, what he wants, that's what he will do. So, so far, really, basically, the main argument that I, that I hear to the contrary about our stance is, well, what if I voted for Joe Biden because, uh, something else was more important than guns. And there could be a million answers to that question, but really it comes down to, to this. If you voted for Joe Biden for some other reason, that's fine. That's your prerogative. Again, I would posit that to me, there's nothing more important than me staying alive. Uh, and that's why I own a gun. So all these other issues are, uh, secondary to that issue to me. But at the end of the day, I don't run a company that deals with any other issue that you may have voted for. I run a company that deals with this issue, and seven people feed their families based on this issue. So I I have no obligation to put any other issue ahead of that issue because that's what's most important to me, my family, and my employees. So, you know, I see it this way. Um, If I was a restaurant owner – or whatever, if I owned a hardware store in Minneapolis and Antifa came in uh, to my hardware store and they started, you know, buying hammers and, um, you know, bottles of, or, uh, you know, gasoline cans, and then I come in next morning and my hardware store, all the windows are broken and it's burned out on the inside, and then I rebuild my hardware store and all of a sudden that same pack of Antifa people come in and they want to buy more hammers and cans of gas, who the fuck would sell them that? Nobody. Like, do people really think that I should be obligated to sell them those things? Of course not. It, it's absurd. So, like, at what point do I, as a business owner, get to make that decision? Pe- people have said, well, you know, we know Joe Biden's not going to be able to enact anything on this plan. So 
you know, I can vote for him and, and guns will be safe because nobody ever does anything about gun control. The Democrats always make noise and they never get it done. Have you read, and did so, you read H.R. 127? Right. I mean, yeah, H.R. 127 aside, like, again, what I say to them is, okay, so let me get this straight. You voted for Joe Biden because you feel that he's going to be ineffective at uh, doing the things that he said he wants to do. So you voted for a guy because you right. think he's a liar. Like you're, yeah. you're even now. I just think you're a fucking idiot. Like I don't even, <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say to you. Like how, how do you, how do you come back from that? What, what's the response? I, I, right. I, I don't understand. Oh, that's funny. So I went through before we talked, and I marked up this bill. I have the letter WTF written on here more times than I could ever possibly imagine. But I want to touch on some some highlighted points for this bill. So for people who don't know that are listening to this episode, uh, Sheila Jackson from Texas introduced a resolution for the floor on January 4th of 2021. <clears throat> and this bill is in regards for the licensing of firearm and ammunition possession. So in the Constitution... On the Second Amendment, it clearly states, shall not be infringed. Those four words are the only four fucking words that matter in that entire fucking amendment. And if if anything that you put into law infringes on my ability to own a weapon, it's illegal. So let's get into some of this stuff. The first thing sure. is this database that they're wanting to create. So. Yep. A database of all firearms registered. So that means that every yeah. single gun you have, you have to register it. And that database will be accessible to all members of the public, federal, state, and local law enforcement, branches of the military, state and local governments. I'm like, uh, yeah, fuck no. They all fell in the river, and I don't have any anymore. Like, what? what is that shit? Why should anybody know what guns I have? Yeah, I mean, and the Supreme Court has already ruled that a gun registry is unconstitutional anyway, so she's, she just doesn't know what the hell she's doing. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's been, that's been a major part of the leftist gun control plan from the beginning. They, they want to know who has what. Because, um, I mean, if anybody has seen the movie Red Dawn, you know exactly why. Uh, right. the original movie, not, not the remake. You know, the first thing that, uh, that the enemy guy, soldiers did, was go to the gun store, uh, take all the 4473 forms, and that way they know who has guns, and they take right. them away. I mean, you know, all of this, the hardest thing about having these conversations is people think the Founding Fathers were, like, simple farmers, uh, and they don't think of them as philosophers and, and people who really thought these things through. Uh, I promise you that they did. And right. you know that they did because... You know, people think the revolution started at Lexington and Concord in 1776, but it started a decade, probably more, before that. Um, you know, General Gage uh, was taking away firearms from people long before Lexington and Concord. There was an event right. called the Powder Alarm where they, they took, they confiscated all of the personally owned gunpowder from a storehouse in Boston because they knew that even if people refused to turn in their firearms or, yeah, I lost it in the lake, that kind of thing, they knew that they, they couldn't operate them without powder, so they stole it. And, you know, that's akin to what they're doing nowadays, trying to go at, trying to claim that ammunition isn't part of the Second Amendment 
um, so that we they can just put a 50% tax on ammo and make it so unobtainable that all your firearms are, are basically worthless. So, yeah, a registry is just a way for them to know who has what. We have literally all of the historical precedents say that this is an, a terrible idea, uh, right. but they want to talk about it. So here we are. Well, and then, I mean, then you have to get a, a license. And there's a part of me that right. wonders, because the language isn't clear, it almost is as if you have to get a license for every single gun you have, depending on yes. what type of gun it is. And That's correct. So you have to be 21, no longer state regulated. It's fully across the board, federally 21, which is really funny because they contradict themselves in the bill itself and say that you can transfer a firearm to somebody under the age of 21. You can transfer down to 18. So I can transfer oh, okay. a gun, but I can't apply for a license to have the gun that's license. been transferred right. to me. But anyway, then you have to undergo a psychological evaluation where they talk to God and your mom and everybody else about whether or not you're mentally fit to possess a firearm, which is right. interesting yeah, they, they wanna, because – go ahead. They, yeah, they, they, want, they want your ex-wife – to determine right. uh, whether whether you should own a firearm or you're your ex-husband, whatever, uh, ex-spouse, you get the idea. So what you're telling me is Raphael Warnock and Keith Ellison would not be able to own a gun. Oh, no, no, no. See, they're special. Uh, see, they, <laughs> they, they obviously would be exempted from the permit requirement because they're very, very important people. Right. And, and thus, VIP. their personal safety is, is actually something that has to be protected. So, of course, they wouldn't have to apply for the same permit. Don't be silly. But, yeah, I mean, the funniest part about what they're suggesting, especially um, when it comes to, say, underprivileged communities, places where crime is the worst. This fucking license uh, is $800. Right. And and for, I believe, uh, AR-15s or semi-automatic rifles, it's something like, Two or four hundred dollars per item. So you know, we have these discussions where they say, you know, minorities can't get a driver's license to be to vote because they're too expensive. And um, you know, you can get a driver's license, I think, for free in many states, or an ID card for free. And at most, they're you know twenty five to fifty dollars. But uh, in order to exercise a constitutionally protected human right, you need to be shelling out this money for the purchase permit. Then you need to shell out money for uh, training and yeah, psyche eval, right? And um, I actually saw a guy who ran the numbers on the psyche eval. So I can't, I'm not, I can't remember the exact numbers, but basically if you employed every single psychologist that's registered that that is a licensed psychologist or psych uh in the entire United States and all they did was psych evaluations on gun owners it would take them something like 6 years to get through all the psych evaluations based on the number of firearms there are in the United States the number of firearm owners there are and um, who they would have to interview. I think, you know, each evaluation they have to interview like four people. Uh, so yeah. that takes an hour each plus the gun owner. You're talking about hours of paperwork for each psych evaluation, and there's something like 100 million gun owners in the United States. I mean, it's, right. it's totally unfeasible 
But, you know, it's not surprising because that's how these politicians are. They have no concept of numbers. They just write shit down on paper. I mean, right. that's how they do our, you know, budgets. And I say that uh, in air quotes <laughs> because, I mean, it's just a list of numbers. It's not a fucking budget. I mean, these guys right. don't even know what that, what that means. So. Well, and that's it's funny that you said about underprivileged communities because they also, the fourth bullet point of what you have to have to own a firearm is an insurance policy. And I'm like, you want people to buy insurance exactly. to own a gun, but they can't afford an ID to vote. Like, <laughs> let's right. be real yeah, about this. Consider that in the city of Detroit, one of the biggest problems right now for people who actually want to move there and uh, try to revitalize the city is the fact that people are paying like a thousand dollars a month for basic car insurance because right. the, the auto theft rates are so high, almost nobody will write auto insurance in Detroit. So what what do you think it's going to cost for somebody to write a liability insurance policy on somebody for their firearms who lives in a rather impoverished, underprivileged, underserviced area of Detroit where there is no police response? It takes them days even to come out and file a report for something like a, a home invasion or a robbery. Uh, you know, there's maybe slightly, maybe for, maybe if you get murdered, they'll show up the next day. Uh, but right. I mean, are you kidding me? That, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Well, and every single line in here talks about the attorney general shall, the attorney general shall. I'm like, is this right. going to be some new branch? or division of the Department of Justice, because I guarantee you the Attorney General doesn't have time to renew every license that needs to be renewed. Well, right. And and we already know that because it takes eight to ten months, sometimes longer, to get your Form 1 or Form 3 or Form 4 approved to purchase uh, a suppressor, which right. is because of the National Firearms. When we we're already doing this, right? The National Firearms Act imposes a $200 tax on certain categories of weapons that that was passed because the government fucked up and uh, passed prohibition, created a huge amount of gang crime and uh, caused a, a, a massive uh, crime response having to deal with prohibition. So yep. after they got rid of prohibition, they said, well, we need to do something about these firearms and they imposed <laughs> the National Firearms Act. So, I mean, we've already done this. It already doesn't work. The ATF as it is, is way understaffed. They have no time to spend. I mean, you know, as somebody with a federal firearms license, if I call the the ATF and I say, hey, this guy came in here, tried to buy a firearm, and he was denied, and uh, I'm pretty sure that he is a criminal, uh, the ATF will never send somebody out to take a report. They just don't have time for it. They, get, they You know, as, as federal firearm licensees, we do our best to try to work with them right. when there's a problem, but often... Uh, even in case where, like, hey, I think this guy's trying to make a straw purchase, that's a waste of your time. If you call the ATF and you say, I, I think somebody just tried to do a straw purchase, you know, they might get back to you in a week, two weeks. It's 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 a joke. So the idea that yeah. they're going to magically be able to, uh, well, and, you know, what they'll do is they'll say, well, of course, we need another $5 billion for the ATF. And uh, it's just a way for the government to pull more money. More out money. Of, well, uh, I mean, when you look at these fines, if you if you violate any of these, you got fifty and seventy five thousand dollar fines. You've got hundred thousand dollar fines with imprisonment. Like it's just crazy. Right. Anyway, 
I just I wanted to touch on that. I, I think all gun laws are unconstitutional. If the army or military or police can have it, I should be able to have it too. Yeah. Um, you know, again, people think that the founding fathers were simple creatures. They were not. They understood exactly what they were saying and why they said it. I mean, look at the Third Amendment. Uh, people hardly remember it half the time, you know, but it says that nobody can quarter troops in your home. And that sounds right. odd in today's day and age. But, you know, at the time, uh, there was no such thing as police in the colonies, right? The, the right. police were the redcoat soldiers. And so it's very hard for you to plan a revolution or even to sit in your living room with a couple of your buddies, drink a beer and say, you know what? Fuck King George. I think this guy's a douchebag. I'm not paying the, the tea tax. Like, we should really get together and do something about that. It's really hard to do that when you live in an 800-square-foot log cabin with two rooms, and there's a red coat uh, in the chair next to you, right? Right. What do you think yeah. that's, you're going to get arrested? I mean, nowadays, we, you know, everybody's got a phone well, and a Google Alexa in their house. Now, so, so they can sit in your room and, and listen to your conversations. Yeah, so you know that was the original that was an original wiretap law. Think of it that way. So the Second Amendment, same thing. They they knew that it's impossible to mount. And I mean, look at North Korea. Why why don't the North Korean people rise up against Kim Jong Un? Well, a big reason is they don't have access to weapons. Right. And the founding fathers knew that in order to enact a, a revolution to stand up against a tyrannical government, you have to have weapons. And so the minute that you let that, and back then. Private citizens had cannons. I mean, that's why John Hancock got involved. They they confiscated his ship, which had cannons on it, and he got pissed. And, uh, you know, when you piss off rich guys, uh, revolutions tend to happen. So that's what happened. And, you know, so in this modern age, the balance of power is already pretty far out of whack. You know, the government has yeah. a lot of stuff that we can't have. We can't even have suppressors. We can't even have a rifle with a barrel under 16 inches unless we get the government's permission. So this right. idea that, um, you know, AR-15s are so crazy and so, I mean, I love AR-15s. They're, they're great weapons. But, you know, I don't just want to hold the line and say you're not getting this AR-15 back. I want to say, well, we know that suppressors aren't used in crime. We know machine guns really aren't used in crime. We should have those. Yes. And we should be able to buy armor-piercing ammunition for handguns. We should be able to buy uh, small explosive devices. I don't see a F-35 reason why that tanks. Yeah, like. <laughs> right. I don't see a reason why that shouldn't be something that we can discuss. We need to be talking about as a gun community. We have to be talking about we want something back. And, right. You know that was always my big problem with Republicans is they don't have a spine. They will compromise, compromise, compromise. And they will never hold the line. And they will certainly never ask for anything back. And yeah, I was really disappointed in Trump's position, position on on gun on guns. Like the whole, I'm tired of giving. I'm really tired of of constantly saying, okay, well, you're not taking all of them, so we'll just give you this this go round until eventually we're to the point where fuck, you're making me sign up for some fucking registry where people can find me. Like, no. I, I'm done. I'm done complying. If it's not in the fucking Constitution, I'm not listening to you anymore. Yeah, and I want to make that clear as well uh, as far as, like, the did you vote for Joe Biden uh, page on our site. This is not a Trump issue, okay? 
Uh, oh, I know it's not. Has, has, has absolutely right. I just want to make sure people understand that oh, because yeah, some sure. folks in the son of libertarian communities um, don't get it. Okay, I'm not a. I was not a big fan of Trump when it came to guns. In fact, I thought he was absolute, uh, absolutely terrible. He he banned bump stocks. He allowed them to further ban the importation of um, certain rifles from uh, from Russia, and uh, I think he did an absolutely terrible job. Um, do I think that he was malicious? No, I think he is probably just stupid. And to be honest, I think he has a lot of he had a lot of stupid people around them, Don Jr. included, because Don Jr. was supposed to be a big part of the Second Amendment community, and we were all expecting him to be, you know, whispering sweet nothings into his father's ear. But that never happened. So okay. it's either because he doesn't actually care, or because he's ineffective. Either way, I don't really care. Um, it, it didn't didn't work out. So. However, uh, did I vote for Trump this time around? Yeah, you, I did, because I understood that voting third party, nobody was going to vote for third third party. Okay, I voted third party in plenty of elections. This was not the election to do it. But, again, Trump did, was not running on gun control as a platform. Okay? Right. That's, that's not, that wasn't his intention going in. I mean, was he secretly trying to do it behind our backs? Who knows? Come up with whatever theories you want. But... We know what Biden wanted. He right. told us. He said it explicitly. Everybody Repeatedly. around him said it. Yeah. His vice president said it. So there's just no, there's no excuse for somebody to say that I voted for Joe Biden uh, because I thought he was the better pick on the gun issue. And I can't see what other social issue Biden was a better pick on. I mean, what, medical marijuana? I, I really don't think he's so pro-marijuana that you just had to pull the lever for Biden. I mean, I think Trump could probably be have been convinced to federally legalize marijuana if they pushed him in the right direction. I mean, right. that would have been a great thing for him to combine that with a with a bill to loosen up regulation on suppressors, uh, you know, include some coronavirus bullshit in there. You know, maybe maybe figure out a way to get something for the dreamer kids, you know, right. who were brought here not of their own will. Fuck, there you go. There's that's yeah. the best possible I will write that bill right now. Let's let's get it done. But it's not gonna happen because, you know, Republicans would never would never put their name on something like that and that's very unfortunate. Do you see a future where, you know, if something like this bill gets through, which I think it will. I think that it, with Sandy Hook and, and the emotional pulls of things like Parkland and all of that being used, nobody wants to be the one that stands up against the kids who died. Do you see, like, sanctuary states similar to, well, if, you know, fucking Washington can thumb their nose at federal law and make every drug out there legal, California can have sanctuary cities for illegal immigrants if you know, Colorado can thumb their nose and legalize marijuana. Why can't we have states that that legalize gut, like sanctuary states for gun owners? Sure, uh, I think it's a great idea in theory. Uh, I I just I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I think there are any Republican-controlled states that will have the balls to do it. I mean, if you know. If Christy No, if you're listening to this, uh, do it because if you do that, you will be the next Republican president. There I, I already want her to fucking put her name yeah, in. I'd I, I think she should anyway. But I, you know, aside from her, I just don't know. I can't think of any other 
Republican governor. I mean, that's what you would really need. You'd need a Republican right. governor to say, yeah, we're not doing that. And, and you'd have to have all the sheriffs behind him. So, right. I mean, could that happen in some place like Wyoming or Idaho, um, possibly? But I mean, you know, Liz Cheney's from Wyoming, so that, you know, there's no, no guarantee there. Only, so I, I think, <laughs> only if you, you know, sign I, a I, deal with Raytheon whenever you do buy it. <laughs> yeah, that piece of shit. So, I mean, is it possible? Uh, yeah, it's possible, but I just, I, I don't have any faith. I mean, and, you know, that's my other issue with people in the pro-gun community. Uh, there's some, a very, very small number, uh, but there are some folks who think that I'm taking the wrong route here, that uh, they say, you know, we need to be educating Biden voters and hoping that they'll uh, move in our direction. And in the meantime, it's unlikely that this stuff is going to get passed anyway. Uh, and even if it does, uh, we've got the Supreme Court on our side, so we'll be OK. My answer to that is, uh, number one, yeah. I do not trust the Supreme Court. Um, Amy Coney Barrett, I, I would like to think I trust her. I don't know that I do. I don't think I trust Kavanaugh on the issue. Um, so, you know, I don't think that there is any guarantee that the Supreme Court would uphold uh, or, or strike down a ban on AR-15s. I really, I really do not trust them that well. Right. So that's the first issue. Um, and, you know, the other issue is, again, uh, should we be educating Biden voters? Well, that's why I'm redirecting them to Joe Biden's own website so that they can read it for themselves. But right. at the end of the day, you know, I run a manufacturing company. I, especially right now, I got a lot of shit to do. I don't have time to have an hour long conversation <laughs> with every single <laughs> Joe Biden voter. And in the, at the end, ultimately have them, you know, it, now if, if they, if, if, if it was a, if it was guaranteed that they would be changing their mind at the end of that hour long conversation, you know what? Maybe I'd find a way to do it. But I've had many of those conversations, many. I've been to many Moms Demand Action meetings. I have spoke to many Joe Biden voters on Twitter who are gun owners. And uh, the number of people that I've been able to convince is very small. And right. it's not because my logic isn't sound. And in most cases, it's not because I'm being a dick. In some cases, it probably is. I'll admit that. But I don't think that that's the case for the vast majority. So right. this, you know, idea that we're going to be changing hearts and minds if we just wait a little bit longer, if we just no. give them a little bit more time to change their mind, I got news for you. That is not what is happening. Yeah, this whole, like, we've given our inches and they've taken their miles. I'm done. Like, it's... Exactly. We've got to stand our ground in more ways than one at this point. And I think that, you know, the NRA is a huge lobbying organization, but I think even they have really fallen short of of really doing a good job of defending the rights of of the individuals in this country. I think they they got a little greedy, they took their money and they didn't really put forth the effort. If, if uh, you're yeah, going to be a huge lobbying firm, I think you need to I the whole point of lobbying is to petition the government from the people's behalf. No more of this like big pharma and and fucking Raytheon and all these all these people who don't serve the people at all are sure. I'm fucking done with them too. Yeah, and so the, you know, the, as far as the NRA is concerned, there's a couple things that you've got to understand with the NRA. Uh, you know, the NRA is about 20 years behind the times at best. You know, they're, right. they're, their target the people who donate to the NRA are, are my the boomers that go to the shotgun club. Okay, right. 
And that is not the direction the industry is moving. The direction of the industry is, you know, John Wick and AR-15s and Call of Duty and all of that, okay? So they they have to change their strategy. They've done absolutely a shit job of going after the big uh, urban communities, Detroit, Philadelphia, Chicago. They should be going aggressively. Instead of playing the defense, they should be on the offense. They should right. be putting together a fund of some type to get, uh, you know, minority gun owners to be able to open their own gun store, open yep. their own training academy, things like that. You know, wh- how, 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 how do they not have a program like that going on? It, it blows my mind. Yeah, so, I agree with you. So, you know, the NRA, we cannot trust them to do it for us because they're making too much money and they don't do anything for that money. And truth be told, most of the companies in the industry who are really the people who they get their money from, big companies, uh, those guys are not as big of supporters of the Second Amendment as you might believe. No, uh, they're, they're invested in the state weird. having the weaponry. <laughs> right. They, they make way more money selling weapons to foreign governments, our own government, uh, police departments, etc., uh, you know, would it hurt their bottom line? For sure. The U.S. is a huge consumer retail market. Uh, there'd be some buyouts and some consolidations in the industry. But this idea that if they repealed the Second Amendment that, you know, it, all the gun companies would go out of business and the government wouldn't have anybody to buy their guns from, again, I think you're an idiot. I think the government would simply uh, buy up some of the assets from those companies and run it as a, a state-owned entity. And then you're buying your guns from the state, and then they really are tracking you. They really do know where you are, and you end up in a situation like Mexico. You know, there's only one gun store in the entire country of Mexico. It's in Mexico City. It's owned by the government. Uh, Now, where are, you know, but the cartels still manage to have their guns, and people still manage to get murdered and shot with rocket launchers and all kinds of crazy things. Uh, you know, they're not all coming out of Texas. I can tell you that. So, right. Well, I, won't I don't want to live in that kind of world. I've kept you for so long. So long. <laughs> um, I really appreciate you coming on with me real fast. Shameless plug. Tell everybody your where they can follow you, your website, all of that stuff. Sure. Uh, they can follow us on Twitter at Phoenix Ammunition. That's our only social media account. There have been some folks out there trying to scam people on Instagram and Facebook, uh, but our, our only social media is Twitter, and, of course, our website, phoenixammo.com. All right. Thank you so much, Justin. Take care of yourself. Thank you for taking the time. This will be up probably, I'd say, by the end of the week. That's awesome. I appreciate uh, the opportunity. Thanks. Thank you. Take care. You too. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to be notified whenever we have another episode come up, please subscribe. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Please make it a great day in America. This is the country where few people leave, too many people want to enter, and dead people still vote. Take care. I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death!